What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Joining us to jump into the conversation is Democratic Senator Mark Warner of Virginia. Senator, it's good to see you. Welcome back to Bloomberg. Do you like what you're seeing here? I know that Chuck Schumer uh, said that he was heartened by the process in the House. Will the Senate sign off if this passes? Well, I think the process stinks. The idea that we're having two votes and we're kicking the can into January for part of the budget, February for the other part, and I'd uh, your viewers uh, probably understand this better than most. I mean, that means that, let's take the Defense Department. We got a lot of ship repair in Virginia. If you finished a ship repair in September at the end of last fiscal year, and you've got an empty dry dock now, you can't start on the next project because it's still a CR. You're still operating off of last year's budget. So while the top line number may be the same, the inefficiency. Now, the process being crummy, does that mean I'm going to you know, vote to shut down the government over it? No. I, I think I got to, you know, we got to be adults, and, uh, unlike some of the crowd in the House. And if it comes over and as long as it's clean and there's not any other, you know, add-ons, poison pills, funny business, um, I think that the overwhelming majority of us will support this. And, you know, the last thing the economy or, or the country, or for that matter, the world needs is the United States government to shut down, you know, going into Thanksgiving week. But even, Senator, if it doesn't shut down heading into Thanksgiving, are we looking at a likely shutdown come January 19th? Because you still have to reconcile appropriations bills that your chamber and the House would like to look very different. Well, again, I think the staggering was a good sign. The bills that have already passed are more in that first tranche on January 19th. The DOD bill and some of the other big bills, the following eight are in, I think, early February. There's more than enough time. Again, my hope would be the House would adhere to the... The, the deal that was cut between the speaker and the president. Um, and I think those top lines are, are where there's going to be some conversation. But even if we you know, go through a bit more drama you know, into the new year, you know, we've got lots of things that we still need to get done by the end of the fiscal year. We've got to pass the defense bill. In that defense bill, I hope, well, somewhere will be attached, is a critical component as chairman of the Intelligence Committee, uh, a, a value which called Section 702, which allows the United States government to follow you know, conversations of foreign individuals uh, that is extraordinarily um, valuable right now in terms of Ukraine, in terms of the Middle East, that expires. We've got to also, and this is as important, I think, as and as historic as anything, we got to make sure we deal with what the president has put forward on what's called the supplemental, which means how do we not walk away from our commitment to Ukraine at this moment in time? How do we provide assistance to Israel in the Middle East? How do we provide humanitarian aid that helps both Israel and not just folks in Gaza, but other nation states who are in a kind of a tumble now because of uh, that challenge. And how do we make sure, your earlier comments about uh, the president's meeting with President Xi, how do we make sure we do continue to um, uh, beef up our activities in the Indo-Pacific, uh, particularly in terms of technology competition with China? So there's a, a big agenda to get done. 
Well, Senator, I'll tell you, it, it appears the House does not have a lock on the drama. Uh, I have to ask you about an exchange that took place earlier in the upper chamber uh, that, it, that took place uh, involving <coughs> Senator Mark Wayne Mullen, the Teamsters President Sean O'Brien, and the chair of the committee, Senator Bernie Sanders. This is the Senate Health Committee we're talking about and a fight that almost broke out today. Let's have everyone watch what I'm talking about. We'll have you respond. Sir, this is a time, this is a place. If you want to run your mouth, we can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. No, hold, stop it. Is that your solution? Every polling. No, no, sit down. No, Eric, sit down. Okay. You know, you're a United States senator. You're an embarrassment. You're an embarrassment. Look, embarrassment to the state of This hearing is about the condition of the working class in America. That's why we're. You're the biggest thug here. You brought him in. All right, you're the biggest thug. Even your colleagues call you. Why you do what you're doing? All right, so this this really happened. This is not a video from Saturday Night Live. Uh, Senator, you know the individuals involved here. I'll let everyone know, by the way, Senator Mullen is a former mixed martial arts fighter. He was ready to go, Senator. Is the upper chamber becoming the, the House of Representatives? You know, I'd heard about this, and literally my staff showed it to me before I came over to this interview. If they just hadn't shown it to me, I could have said, gosh, that sounds awful, but I can't comment until no I look at it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm like, what went through your mind when you're watching this? Oh, God. Oh, it's like, you know, some people up here work hard to get that, what, eight or 9% approval rating that we have. And more antics like that and that 8 or 9% approval rating of the institution writ large. Um, mm. uh, you know, it just, you know, the country deserves better. You know, there was a congressman today, said he got punched in the back by the former Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. We've, we saw uh, Chairman Comer's committee hearing uh, come into a, some sort of conflict with a bunch of yelling. I just, is this the future of the legislature? Sure Has not. anyone I threatened mean, you know, lately? I do worry about the fact that when, you know, as, as you guys know, I've been part of every bipartisan group of senators that have ever come together. We did the infrastructure bill. We did the chips bill. We worked on the Inflation Reduction Act, the Electoral Count Act. And I do worry at times when the Joe Manchins and the Mitt Romneys leave following the Rob Portmans and the Roy Blunts and the Richard Burrs. Mm. Yeah, we got to hire people that can have strong opinions but know how to get to yes. The whole notion of what the founders set up with this experiment in democracy was you got to have checks and balances. Part of that checks and balances means nobody gets to run the show, but you've got to find a way to compromise to get to yes. As you guys know, I was a business guy longer than I've been a politician. I think I can still claim that for about another year. But if all I did was run down the opposition and never put out a good product, I wouldn't be in business very long. And what I so worry about is that, you know, you've got these kind of antics, you've got a house that went without a speaker for three weeks, you've got potentially the United States walking away from a solemn commitment to Ukraine that makes the whole notion of NATO be a little bit up for grabs. Who would ever trust us again? You know, you have got literally hundreds of senior members of our military not able to get their promotion and get their families moved in because one guy takes advantage of some archaic Senate rule. Um, mm -hmm. uh, we, do, we deserve better. The folks deserve better. 
Well, Senator, you just said there that the U.S. may be about to walk away from Ukraine, especially considering Ukraine funding is not included in this continuing resolution. Do you think there is a real risk that that just never passes both chambers? I pray not. I think the this is the part where the minority of the minority too often up here uh, drives the bus. And a whole lot of Americans are saying, what the heck is happening? Why can't reasonable people in both parties get along? I mean, I still believe there's 75 votes in the Senate for aid to Ukraine. I mean, the, 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 the crazy thing, I, I feel that Ronald Reagan must be rolling over in his grave. The Ukrainians have literally taken out 50% of Russia's military capacity without a single American soldier or NATO soldier's life being, being lost. If we were to walk away, we would literally um, you know, undermine the word of America. It would make quite people question our treaty alliances. And the thing that is just, just makes me crazy is that some of these folks who say, oh, I don't care about Putin and Ukraine, but I want to do all I can to you know, make sure Iran doesn't do well or make sure that President Xi is constrained. If you don't understand that if you give a green light to an autocratic ruler like Putin, that Iran and China won't take that as a, a sign that they can move more aggressively, then you don't pass geopolitics 101. This money is clearly going to be delayed for Ukraine uh, Senator, as chair of the Intelligence Committee, you know more about this than most people do. How much time do they have? If, if there's a chance this bleeds into next year, what does it mean for Ukraine? We have to get this done this year. It would be a historic mistake. You know, people in, in jobs like mine have a tendency to overstate, and there have been, you know, comparisons to what happened in the late 30s in terms of, uh, you know, in, in, post-Munich in terms of Britain turning a blind eye to Hitler's expansion into Czechoslovakia. You know, I'm not one for overstating, but this could be one of those historic moments. You know, and the Europeans, both in terms of their military assistance and, frankly, they've even done more humanitarian. They've taken mil millions of Ukrainians in, but they need American leadership as well. We cannot fail on this task. And I'd say that, you know, all those if who, even if they don't care about the war crimes that Vladimir Putin has committed, uh, but they say they want to stand against Iran or stand up against the Communist Party and President Xi, you give that green card to Putin, you, you allow autocratic regimes elsewhere uh, to be successful as well. So we've got to do our job. Well, Senator, Joe just referenced the job you were doing on the Intelligence Committee, but of course that's not the only committee on which you sit. You also are a member of the Senate Banking Committee, mm -hmm. and you had a hearing today with banking regulators, including uh, Michael Barr, the Fed's Vice Chair of Supervision, on a day which, mind you, the Fed's role uh, in terms of its dual mandate when it comes to prices, they maybe got some good news on today in the form right. of inflation data. Is it time for the Fed to declare victory on the inflation front and just shift all of their focus <clears throat> to their supervisory role? Well, I do think it's time for the Fed to at least continue the pause. Uh, I, you know, I don't think, you know, I, I know Jay Powell. I have a lot of respect for him. I don't think he's going to declare victory. But it was very good news for the economy. They may be able to do this, this soft landing, you know, bring down high inflation without a recession. 
Um, but it is one of the reasons why one of the topics that we were talking about today, and now to kind of go from the, uh, the global to kind of more nerdy but important as well. You know, the Fed has proposed something called Basel III bank capital standards, raising those bank capital standards dramatically at this moment in time, even though they've, they're still getting input. With this high, um, with frankly, uh, with high interest rates already out there, with the existing tightening of monetary policy, with the, uh, frankly, geopolitical risk out there, could actually cause a dramatic constriction in lending. And that's not what we want to happen at this point. Now, I, I do acknowledge that the banks, whenever there's a new regulation, cry, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. This time, they may be right, and I'm following this very closely. I also pointed out that there is a tool that we've, uh, uh, that when the Fed was first created, saying you using what's called the discount window. So if you've got a liquidity problem, you can go to Fed and borrow mm -hmm. some money that, frankly, banks have not been using fully. Um, I want to see if we can interject that in before we perhaps layer on a, a lot of additional requirements. All right, Senator, I'll just end by saying, for the record, when you're on Bloomberg, nerdy is allowed. That's kind of what we do here. So please come back anytime. We always appreciate you joining us. Thanks, guys. All right, Senator Mark Warner, the Democrat from Virginia, thank you very much. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.